You are listening to the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast, a show by personal trainers for personal trainers. It's time. It's time to become a better trainer, get more clients, and change more and lives. Change more lives. All right, my friends, we are back for Let's another webinar. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Like I said, we have a really great one today first webinar with a special guest. So we had this topic recommended to us working with senior clients, working with an older population. We thought it was a really amazing topic. We wanted to absolutely do it. We got it recommended to us by several people. Um, and then as we were talking internally, we thought, who's going to do this one for us? You know, it, it, it didn't really, a lot of our previous webinars came from, um, they were deeply rooted in our own expertise. And it's not that we, well, we are really, didn't have anyone on the team who was a specific expert with working with this population. We wanted to, at Fitness Mentors, obviously want to provide the best education possible. So our first thought was, let's bring a true expert in um, for you guys to talk about this, because if you want it, we want to be sure that we're doing it right. So we are so honored and privileged uh, to be joined by industry veteran, if I may say, Carl, Dr. Carl Kanoff, who has been working um, the better part of four decades with this population is a retired professor has done consulting work has been both in the trenches for many, many years, as well as in the educator role for many, many years, specifically around this population. So when I think of somebody, um, who's better to speak on this than Carl, nobody really comes to mind. So thank you so much for being here, Carl. And would you mind giving just a 30 to 60 second little intro about yourself for those who don't know you? Well, thank you for including me, and it's nice to see all the people there. I guess I would call myself a fitness educator of older adults. I've kind of part therapist, part exercise physiology, and so forth. Um, I started working with older adults, as Alex said, about 40 years ago when I was 20. I don't know if you know this, but aging is contagious. Because when I started working with them, I was 20. And now <laughs> I'm one of them. So... Um, so be careful if you decide to work with older adults. It is a contagious condition. I, I, would, I was very fortunate to be teaching at a community college right outside of Stanford University. And we did a lot of collaborative things with Stanford. And Stanford with Dr. Bortz, who's a name you may want to become familiar with. He's written several books. We, we die, live too short and die too long. He's got a great way to, to present. Uh, with Dr. Kate Lorick, she was an expert in arthritis and exercise. So those are some people that I really was able to learn a lot from by doing some collaborative work with them because they had the didactic information, but they didn't have people to do studies on. So they often used my students. And what we learned is that exercise is the fountain of youth. I'm not going to bore you with all the academic stuff of the benefits of exercise. But what we are now realizing that Exercise is good from the womb to the tomb. And that wasn't so true back when I started 40 years ago. And if, if any of you are older, you could ask your mom or grandmother. Women weren't told to exercise because, you know, they, it was half-court basketball. But now look at how important exercise is for prenatal care. Older adults, when we first started working with older adults, we thought they were fragile and frail. And we did, and we did those, if you can visualize this, we'd get the the parachute, they move their arms up and down like we do with preschool exercises. And that and, and they bounce around a, a little beach ball. And they thought that was enough exercise for older adults. 
we started to do some research where we challenged them within their capabilities to see, we saw changes in depression, mental acuity improved, bone density improved, um, skeletal muscles. There was a term called sarcopenia. We found that it's basically atrophy of old people, muscle. We found recently with the pandemic, what do they find? That people who are moderately fit and exercise had improved immune function and didn't get a severe COVID-19. Um, we all know about the metabolic benefits of exercise. Gastrointestinal function. When I worked in spinal cord injury, as graphic as this may sound, we found that these men, and I'm going to say guys because I'm not being sexist, but I was at the VA at the time and these were all Vietnam vets, um, that their gastrointestinal tract worked better. And so they were very important to get them out of the bed, get up in a standing frame several times a, a week to move things along. Uh, we know body composition. And what were the benefits, the beauty of all this is it didn't have to be hard. And I'm going to maybe upset a few of you because a lot of the new research is it's all about HIIT, you know, high intensity interval training. I'm still not convinced that the basic normal older adult can do that without getting hurt. So if you're going to be a believer in HIIT, Make sure that person is able to do it through a good medical evaluation. So today, what we're going to do is chat about, I'm not going to try to bore you with the academic side of it. I'm going to try to teach, share with you some things that I learned from being in the trenches. The textbooks don't teach this. And so that's what I'm going to try to share with. So um, Sam, I'm ready to move on whenever you are. <laughs> so guys, what are we going to learn today? Um, we are obviously going to learn so much more than what's on this slide, but um, we are going to chat a little bit about some of these fundamental corrective exercises and prep work that we can do um, before we even, you know, program with these senior clients that we are trying to work with. We, we're going to talk about prep work, what we want to do with them before we actually start working out with them. Um, we're also going to talk a lot about ways we want to train to improve their quality of life. Carl has shared that he's going to share a lot of experiences and stories um, that we're super excited about that are going to detail about some experiences he's had um, about really helping them not only with their physical well-being, but their mental well-being, right? Um I'm, I am sure that as some of these senior clients um, head into the gym, maybe it's some of, some of their first times even working out, it's harder to get going when you're at an older age. Um, and they, they probably are, half of them are probably in there to try to improve their quality of life. So we're going to really get into that today. And then the last but not least, we're going to talk about you know, some of the things that we would want to be in our fitness plans for our senior clients um, and what, what they're needing because senior clients definitely are not, some of them may, but they're not, um, they don't have the exact needs that maybe a 21 year old client will have. So um, in our presentation today, we are going to kind of share some of our thoughts and then we're going to ask Carl questions at the end of our, each of our slides um, to get his thoughts and to really hear what he has to say about all this information. My turn? <laughs> Our yeah, turn. no, please. So aging successfully means many things to many people. So when you talk about misconceptions, you can have one person come in at age 55 or 60, and their goals may be completely different than someone who else comes in at the same age and so forth. So we're going to talk about some of these misconceptions. The, for those of you who are trainers, successful aging starts as a child. I mean, that's probably the best thing you can do if you want to 
slow the pro- and I'm 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 very upset when I hear people say reverse aging or stop aging is over. To me, the only way to stop aging is to die. And we don't want that. We want you to age successfully. And I think the key we want to use is many older adults you're going to come across, their doctor wants them just to survive. I think you as personal trainers want them to thrive. You want them to be able to do what they want to do. So the doctor may be very happy if they can do their activities of daily living and not need a healthcare person. But that person may want to still pick up the grandchildren. He may still want to continue golfing. So misconceptions, everybody has their own mindset of how they want to age. So when you look at the client, we'll talk about this more when we talk about challenges. Look at the lifestyle the person wants, their nutritional background, their fitness background. How do they handle stress? We're now finding that sleep management is just as important as other aspects of aging. Um, I read an article just this morning that said that even if you've kind of abused your body, and we'll talk about the difference between misuse, disuse, and abuse, um, if you even starting to eat healthily at age 60 can add longevity to your life, one or two years. So successful aging, and I think Dr. Bort said it much better than I did, successful aging is all about playing the cards you're dealt. Some of you are their personal trainers were dealt this great hand. You've, the genetics are good. You're, you live in an area where you've got access to medical care, good nutrition. Other people were born with limitations or just not that genetic predisposition to longevity. So your job as a personal trainer for older adults is to let them maximize their potential. If you can maximize their potential, that's key. So just keeping in mind is a major misconception that I think we've all learned is that no two older adults are the same. It's kind of when when women get upset with a man making the assumption that all women are the same. That's as wrong as anything can be. And the same goes with older adults. You will not meet two older adults that are exactly the same. They're going to be an accumulation of their background, their education, their life's experiences. Um, Did they use their body? Did they have a a good relationship with exercise and nutrition? Or did they misuse it? Unfortunately, they worked on the backside of a jackhammer for most of their life or drove a truck and beat up their body. Or when you're coming with these older adults of today, my age are much different than they were 40 years ago. Some of them have abused their body with alcohol, drugs, and smoking. So those are things that I think if you can classify older adults, those who have used their body correctly, misused their body due to their career and abused their body due to just the lifestyle. And the other thing you've, we, I'd like you to remember is that old people are not just young people covered with wrinkles and gray hair. There's a lot more things that are going on underneath the surface. And I think as we talk about later, your job is going to be much more difficult than it was when I did it 40 years ago started, because today's older adults are much more sophisticated and knowledgeable about health and fitness. And you may have to we talk about misconceptions, their misconceptions about nutrition exercise are, they're not a blank slate like when I had them. They know they know a little bit enough to be dangerous and you're going to have to re-educate them. But your job is it's never too late to feel great. So we're going to move into a, a assessment in a few moments and I'll share some things that I think will help you in the field. Yeah, there were, there were so many gems in, in there, Carl, that just as you said them, I was like, wow, we could almost talk. I mean, successful aging starts as, as a child was, was one that I took away there of just like something that I've never really thought about before. 
um, but makes so much sense. I feel like it's it's very common to isolate these older adults and just look at them in the present without a consideration of, like you just said, what, what's been their walk of life up until this point? How might that influence things that are, are actively present or not even actively present yet? Um, seems helpful to consider. And, and it's a perspective that I've just never really thought of before with this population, but it's, it's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, guys, as, as Carl said, we're going to get into programming and assessing these clients. So a lot of these high level principles, we're going to kind of talk about and say, okay, how, how do these manifest when we're looking to learn about these clients and understand their background? How can we both gather that information and then use that information to build an effective program? Yeah. So as we've mentioned, aging is inevitable. If you're lucky enough to live to the age of some of these clients, you're going to have 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I, I'll, just a quick sidebar is I had a lady on her 100th birthday, she went to Africa to ride on a camel. <laughs> she started with me when she was 60, continued coming. Now, this lady... And, and bless and I just went to her 100th birthday party, which was pretty cool. And so it was, it was real cool and was interesting. This lady wasn't given the best genetic predisposition to longevity. She was a sickly child. She was sick during her 30s and 40s. This lady, she lived a mile from the YMCA where I taught the water exercise. She'd walk there. <laughs> she was legally blind and came and exercised. And she had... She had the greatest personality. I'm now starting to believe that those people who live well and long have a good personality and they're positive. So your goal is that older adults don't want to just survive. They want to thrive. They want to be able to do the things that they always envisioned. They've saved all their pennies all their life. Now they're retired and now don't have the capabilities to do what they want to do. Um, so when we talk about assessment, I'm going to kind of talk about it, not just from the physiological parameters, but kind of looking at the person in totality, kind of like what Alex was mentioned. So first of all, get to know your client. And if you've ever worked in management, we've always had that MBOs, management by objectives. So what you need to do is sit down with the client if you can. What's their goals? Okay, so now you know their goals. Where do they want to be in a year from now, three years from now? Like I had a lady, uh, quick story. Um, she wanted to see her grandson graduate from, an, from a military academy, but she didn't want to be wheeled through the airport. So her goal was to be when he graduates next year, I want to be able to walk through the airport without someone pushing me on the wheelchair. Mm. She was so frail that she couldn't do anything. And I, and I always joke, she didn't want to do weights because, you know, the women of that era, the weights were going to make you manly looking. We started, she was so weak. This will tell you how old I am. We started with the Reader's Digest. She could barely lift up the Reader's Digest. We went from the Reader's Digest to the Bible to War and Peace. So mm. <laughs> it's not where they you where you find them. It's how do you get from there? So so get to know them. Get to know what their hot buttons are. And as as Sam is in sales, you know what to make a sale. You you got to find that hot button. They'll buy what's <laughs> important to them. So now you've got the goal. Now a good trainer is going to make objectives. Where do you want to be in three weeks, three months, next year? So use those goals to build your objectives of a, that are attainable, that are measurable, because if you can make them measurable and show them, they'll be a client with you for the rest of their life. 
But if you just say, we're going to make you feel better, well, that's a lofty description, but how do you define feeling better? Um, So the other thing, if you have an older client who's maybe been athletic, there might have some joint issues. So I'll use myself as an example. I used to ride my bike to work all the time and do a lot of things. And for my 30th birthday, I ran 30 miles, but I've beat myself up. But the hard part is now I live at a place where it's got a hill. Coming up that hill is pretty darn hard. So I forced myself to buy an electric bike. I felt that I was selling out, but so I can still do what I like to do, but I need to make modifications. Then you're going to get that person who is a desk worker. Again, I live in Silicon Valley and these people are wealthier than I'll ever be. I mean, they're, they got money galore, but they sat behind a desk or behind a screen for 30 or 40 years. So they're coming to you with hypokinetic disease. Hypokinetic disease might be a word you never heard of. It's mean that that's what we call metabolic conditions. They got diabetes, they got hypertension, heart disease, two or three heart attacks. So you may have to find out they're coming to your class for the health of it. So so how do you get them to improve their health? Can you get their blood pressure? Can you help them lose weight? Um, Some people are gonna come to you and not want exercise. They had a terrible high school experience. The PE teacher had to wear these ugly little things and they do stupid games that have no life's experience benefits. Um, they've gone to physical therapy because they hurt and now they come out, they're hurt more than they just said. They don't want to be with you because they don't trust you because every time they've ever exercised has been a bad experience or they've been painful. So you've got to, when we talk later about functional fitness, what, how do you spell functional fitness? F-U-N. You got to build some fun into that or they're not coming back. They're not coming back. So your assessment is to learn as much as you can about that person. And then from there, when you design a program, you need to individualize it in case they have COPD or so forth. Um, I, I, as, as Alex and has said, I'm an expert. You know what an expert is? It's someone who's 50 miles away from home. That's why you, you go to a conference and this guy's an expert. Well, you better, if you really want to make sure they're an expert, go back to their home base and see if they're, their clientele think they're an expert because anybody can stand there and tell you they're an expert. You've got to make this assessment as functional and as beneficial as possible. So as we talk about for resources, I think the best resource out there for older adult assessment is Dr. Jones's book, Senior Fitness Manual. It's it's published by Human Kinetics. In fact, um, when we, and she's got field-based tests that make a lot of sense. I help contribute to the sit and reach test to test flexibility. Because, um, you know, we all, when we were in high school PE, could you bend over and touch your toes? Well, most older adults should not bend over and touch your toes for a myriad of reasons. They may have osteoporosis, low back. So we modified that test and put it in a chair where you reach out and try to touch your knees, your ankles, your toes, and measured it. Um, and so, and then we field tested it as well when we were doing some work with a health maintenance organization. Another resource you may want to look at is the functional fitness battery that some of you trainers are familiar with. You may take parts of that and see, is it appropriate for your clientele? Um, And then of course, get the input from the doctor or the physical therapist. If you want to have a successful personal training business, you make a relationship with the physical therapist, occupational therapist in the area. Because 
health insurance is only going to let them go to physical therapy X amount of time. If you can get a referral base where you write, they refer them to you, you write up a program, stay with you for a month, then send them back for physical therapists for an update, come back, you will have a great relation. I've seen gone to too many conferences where the personal trainer stands up there. Maybe they've got a master's degree in exercise science and thinking they're better than the physical therapist and you are destined to fail. Because once you alienate that physical therapist and the doctor thinking you're sharper than them after they've gone to school, some now have to have a doctoral program to do it and do this, you are going to not get a good referral base. The programs we had at the college were so successful, not because I was good, but I did always deferred to the physical therapist and the doctor. Whether I knew something more than them or not, I always looked back and referred to them. And we had a stream of students. You know, we had, at one point, our adaptive PE program at Foothill College was the largest in California. Wow. Not because we were so good, but we understood that relationship be between that door of going to physical therapy and back. Um, always, always, always make sure you're doing what's under the doctor's orders, because that's when you're going to get sued. You do not want to get sued. And I've been an expert witness in so many cases where that trainer thought they knew more than the doctor or and they got in trouble and got sued. So you'd want to build yourself a wall to protect you from getting sued because I don't care if you're right or wrong and I don't care what we learned in history, your government class, you were guilty until proven innocent. Because by the time you go to court and prove that you were doing the right thing, it's cost you thousands of dollars in legal fees. So do you want to stay out of that courtroom? And another good assessment thing is that PARQ, that health history, you know, getting that gives you a good intake of what's going on. The other thing you got to be mindful of when you do assessment, a lot of these assessments are were designed for the frail elderly. So you take the average 60 year old, they're going to be superior in all the tests. And I'll briefly use myself as an example, as I said, now, now I'm one of them. Um, Medicare has old people come back every year to have a, a, a test, a physical fitness, a test, and so forth. So the other day, one of the tests we'll talk about later is the get up and go. That was in Dr. Jones's book. You sit in a chair, they put a little spot on the floor, you walk out there, turn around the, that spot and come back and sit down. So the nurse practitioner that's doing it with me, she goes, wow, you're awesome. Well, I'm not awesome. I can tell you that. But I, she goes, I've never had me do it so fast because that test was designed for some frail elderly. So by the time they got out with their walker, got the walker moving along, negotiated it, came back, it took them a minute and a half where I did it in like 15 seconds. So make sure that the assessment tool you're using is going to give you the results that you want. So as I continue with this assessment, remember, I'm a field based person. I'm not an ivory tower person. So when I, I taught classes small groups as well as large groups. And one of my fitness classes that I had at the Sunnyvale Senior Center had, I think, had 50 people in it. So I kept saying, how do you individualize with 50 people? So we designed, we designed a way to do mass fitness assessments. So one of the things that I liked in the setting, they had to be easy, they had to be reliable, had to be credible, and not hurt anybody. So the stork stand is one we used, where you stand on one foot, some clients weren't, or students, and I call them students because that's what they were, um, weren't capable to do it. So they wouldn't do it. Or we'd have them standing behind the chair and just lift their toe up off the ground. Another one is the tandem walk. Well, obviously, you don't want to put them on a balance beam. And I had one trainer in this area that I live now who doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He thinks old people can do the same thing as young people. He put this person on a balance beam and fell off and broke their hip. So mm -hmm. what we did is we put a 
blue tape on the floor, put it next to the wall, and had them walk heel toe, the old sobriety test, and to assess their how they how their balance was. Another one is if you're a biomechanics expert, look at how their ambulation is. And you could even do that informally as you see them coming into your class. How do they walk? Do they have circumducted gait, hip height? Do they do this or that? Uh, but you can just, I would, how I would do it is I'd walk a straight line from one end of the wall, floor, wall to the other. And I'd look in from a side view and a frontal view. And you could pick up a lot of things without being a physical therapist. And then you say, you know, maybe you need to go back and get a gait analysis by a physical therapist. Um, another one, as we talked about, is really easy is to get up and go. The sit to stand is a great test where you just have them sit down. You measure them for 30 seconds. How many sits to stands can you do in 30 seconds? Now you've got an objective measure. Come back three months from now. Wow, last time you could only do five. Now you can do 10. Um, so now it's it's that hot button. Wow, I'm making improvement. The sit and reach that we talked about earlier that I helped with Dr. Jones is they sit at the edge of the chair. Make sure they don't slip off because that will happen. And can you touch your knees? Can you touch your ankles? Can you toe? And if you really have a small group, you can get a little tape measure or something, measure the distance that they've gone. So it's a pre-post test assessment. Um, a lot of my clients, who again, most of my students were in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, a push-up test is a great test, but they can't get up and down from the floor. So what do you do? How do you adapt it? We'd have them do them on the back of a chair. You push the chair up against the wall, make sure and just push up or at the wall. We do that and we do, and we'd start the class and we do our heel cord stretch at the wall so they could do it. And then we do their push up. So again, building safety in and showing. So, but again, unless don't waste your time doing assessment if you're not going to use it as a prescriptive tool to build a program. Otherwise, mm. it's just a waste of time. Mm. It's like the person who goes to the doctor and gets their blood pressure done and then doesn't do anything about it. So, <laughs> So again, I, I went on maybe too long on that, but I think that's important, that assessment to give you some idea of where your clients are and where they can go. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I love it because if you've been watching our webinars for any amount of time, you know that we always take a, it depends stance to some degree, AKA use the information that you had have ahead of you to dictate your path. Don't come into a situation with a preconceived idea of what you're already going to do before you learn about this person. I feel like that's a lot of the foundation of what you just said, Carl. I'm curious if you don't mind a question as a student right now, um, are there any assessments that you do deem a necessity kind of across the board that you're like with all clients, you really want to perform this, or is it really just dependent on everything that you just said? Well, you know, that's a very good point, Alex. I guess I would then do for my intake and the doctor's input, the doctor may say, gosh, um, Mary Lou is having a hard time walking. Then maybe my assessment should see how is her ambulation skills, how's her, all the variables that go into walking. And then maybe I'll share this story right now. And, and I was asked to be part of an advisor for this heavy hitter research project that maybe make your point. These guys were guys and gals and professors were from Stanford, UCLA, USC. They came up to the Palo Alto VA and they thought, we're going to get these older guys involved in walking. This is when walking and, and Ken Cooper was all about aerobics. So he goes, we're going to get these older guys, and they were guys, um, involved in a walking program. So me being this dumb, naive person, because I'd work with these guys, I go, you're going to get them in a walking program. They can't even get out of the chair. Mm. How are you going to get them to walk a mile when they're not even functional to get out of yeah. the chair and go down the steps? 
So yeah. they were so like you're talking about, Alec, they were so far ahead of their research. Probably. We're going to show how walking improves cardiovascular parameters and all that when they didn't look at the foundation. You have to look at the foundation. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't invited back as an advisor after saying that. But the point was that they needed to work on balance and, and leg strength and basics before you start having this grandiose research project that was going to show something that they could. And, and yeah. it, was, it was doomed to fail because they didn't have the capability. I, yeah. I think that did that help answer it at all? One, 100%. I mean, it just reinforces to me the idea of you have to understand the goals of the client that's right ahead of you and the barriers that they have in place. And then you use that information to assess how can I use an assessment to not only assess their current state so I can understand whether it's walking or standing, and then run that through the filter of that assessment should also be able to be used on an ongoing basis to track results. Um, And you bring bring up one extra point too, is you find out what my hot button is. Yes. My hot button is to be able to walk to my grandson's graduation. Yes. Wow. I will do anything you want me to do. If that means that I can walk down there without someone pushing me in the wheelchair. So you find their hot button and and Sam knows this is a salesperson. You find their hot button. They will run through fire for you. And then you show them through your assessment where I I respect what you're saying. I'm going to do everything in my power to get you there. Show that, Hey, when you first came to me, you could only get out of the chair one time. Now, three weeks later, you can get up two times. Now, wow, we're moving. So, wow, they're not going to leave you. They're they're coming for life. Totally. Because they're not coming for life because you are giving them life once again. I'm not just sitting in front of the TV all day. 100%. Yeah, it's... um, I had a thought that that escaped me. Oh, I was just going to say my... Another really key takeaway, and you can correct me here um, from from the assessment thing, and we'll move on in a second, but I think that's pretty important. Um, It also seems to me as you're talking that we don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to trying to think of a fancy assessment, you know, watching someone walk from behind, walk away and walk towards you, see how many times they can stand from a chair um, or from the ground or whatever it may be. These are really just representative of what they do in their real life in a controlled environment. It's not some fancy machine or some fancy stand on one leg and put your hand behind your back and do It's like, no, we're really just trying to represent how they live their daily life and see where they're at. We're not trying to, that's actually a necessity, it seems, for that correlation to be there. Like it has to correlate to how they're going to do it in their daily life. I actually trained my grandma. She's my only older client right now. She broke her femur five years ago, maybe. And it's funny when you were mentioning the assessments that were built for frail adults, because she was someone who exercised her whole life. And so when she broke her femur, she was constantly just blowing people's minds at the rehab center because they're like, I'm shocked that you can do this. And it's because she's been exercising her entire life and she's not a frail old adult, even though she's 80. Um, So I definitely resonated with that. But a lot of the times when we train, especially post post injury, it's like, let's envision a life situation that you might be in. And let's try to replicate that (laughs) in our training. Um, because that's their competition. It seems, you know, she's not training to go be in a power lifting or, you know, look a certain way or whatever. She's training to extend the quality of her life. And so we do a lot of things like standing up from the ground. Um, what if she slips, buy something that she doesn't have anything to hold on to. 
how can we help prepare for that situation? So it, it seems like the mentality, and again, you can absolutely correct me, but it seems like a helpful mentality is understanding their real life and what they want to accomplish and then trying not to reinvent the wheel and just think, okay, so you want to walk down um, the aisle at graduation. So that's walking. So we need to we need to figure out how to walk better <laughs> and have more core stability and maybe strengthen you know things of that nature. But it but it seems like and maybe I'm speaking for myself that it's very easy to think that you need like this fancy new assessment, but it's but it, but you don't. No, you well said. I wish I would have said it as well as you did there, Alex. <laughs> it's, it's I would just re re-say what you said. <laughs> it's functional fitness, and, I, right. and, and someone who's been in fitness for you know, as a kid, I used to exercise, you know, um, that we kind of made this, and I'm, I hate to take a shot at jazzercise, but your heart doesn't care if you're doing three steps forward, one step back, sure. as long as you're moving. And I think that's what's happened to the fitness world. We're yeah. so busy of selling the next piece of equipment that, that push-ups, the old standard body exercises are just as good as this new fancy piece of equipment I'm trying to sell you. Yeah. Um, so we absolutely look at functional fitness, whether they're wall squats or push-ups or so forth. I think, and you see now the big trend in fitness is, oh, let's lift up a, a truck tire and let's <laughs> yank on rope. That, what, and I've seen people doing with older adults. What is that intervention going to do to help me have a better, more functional life? It's We've, pretty and it's fancy yeah. and so forth, but I think you said it very well. Make functional fitness the key. Yes. And that's even, again, as, a, as someone who's been in fitness, you know, back in the old days, we had barbells and dumbbells. Where I, my first set I bought from Sears was a Ted Williams little weight set that was plastic covered with cement inside. <laughs> yeah. So we did arm curls with that. Well, then what happens to the, you know, bless Nautilus's heart, they come up with a machine that does it on a cam. And then Kaiser comes in with a piece of equipment that does an arm curl with air pressure, yeah. where my little dumbbells maybe we're just as good as results as all this fancy equipment. So I think it doesn't have to be fancy to be functional and beneficial. I think that's what I think both of us are trying to say. Totally. It's been a theme of, of our previous webinars as well, especially around programming and stuff is, is like it, like if it's complex and entertaining, that does not necessarily equal effective. In fact, it's almost a safe mentality that it's the main value is it's fun, which to your point, there is value to adding in fun. Um, but it, 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 it has to tie back. And one last thing you brought up, Alec, is all my classes, because I was kind of a gypsy. I was out in the field and I mean the field. I was in senior centers. All I had was a chair, a TheraBand. We called it TheraBand at the time, you know, exercise bands. And that, and these people made great results. They did. They didn't need that come to the college where the gym was. We went yeah. to them and they came to the senior center. And again, I had 50 people pulling up. I should show you a picture of it. Uh, 50 people. Um, and then, and even go back, Jack Lane. Why was Jack Lane so successful? He came into your TV room, TV, yeah. and with his dog happy and people got great results. He made them laugh. He had some exercises and he had no fancy equipment. Someone asked, how could we do a mass assessment in a class setting? Mm. So I thought that was an interesting question. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, because that's what I did. Literally <laughs> not. A, yeah. I'm, I'm Mind you, I'm here. And, and I'm not saying it was the best thing in the world. But here I had 50 people in this class, older people, probably 
youngest is 65 all the way to 85 or 90. So I took parts of, and I think when we, that's, okay, so here's what I did. Okay, so they're all, they're all in their little chairs, right? So I didn't do the stork stand because I was a little nervous on that one because I'm afraid of liability. So um, I did do the tandem walk. I had them all, it was, it was like elementary school. I had all 50 line up in back wall. I put a piece of tape down the middle of the, of the, the room and I'd have them walk heel toe and I'd be close by to spot them and see how they did. Um, mm. But the easiest ones were also is put them up again. The very simplest one is had them all find a spot on the wall, put their back to the wall. And guess what? None of the men could get their head to the wall. Mm. And why is that? Because everything a guy does, sexist, is over a desk or playing. So their posture is terrible. So you get their tailbone against the wall and most of them couldn't straighten up. Could their shoulders flush against the wall? So that was simple for posture. Um, the get up and go, I often didn't do that. The sit and reach is so easy to do. You sit in a chair, move to the and all of it, what you're listening right now, we can all do it together. Move to the front of your chair, straighten your legs out to the best of your ability. How far can you reach? I'm really good. I can touch my kneecaps. I bet you if Sam did it, she can touch her toes. But again, then they would just on a little sheet of paper say, I could touch my knees, I could touch my calves, I could touch my ankles, my toes. Yeah. And we wrote that down, pre-tested it, and then we kept that little chart to come back. Now, you got to be careful. So you let them keep it because privacy rights and all that. But um, the, the sit to stand is another easy one. I got a little stopwatch. Sit down, stand up. How many times can you do it in 30 seconds? If you're tired, stop. Have them write that down. Okay, I did five. Then come back at the end of the quarter because we had to do it because it was a college class. So we had to have exams. So this was their exam and supposedly the grade is based on their improvement. So they kept that card. Um, um, wall push-ups. You could all walk over to the wall now, put your hands on the wall. Can you touch your nose to the wall and come back? You know, in a real push-up, you touch your chest to the floor. So we measured that. The zipper stretch. Here's a fun one all of us can do right now. Take your right hand over your right shoulder. Left hand up your back. Oh, yeah. And I'm oh, going to guess, terrible. I'm psychic. I'm going to guess Sam can touch. Matt, you're not doing it. I don't think <laughs> Matt can do it. Matt's not going to, I'm going to bet you Matt is a mile away. Oh, I just That's injured myself, Carl, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you do it on the right. How far can the right go up? How far can the left? And you're going to notice if you stop right now, take both hands up your back. I'm going to guess. Your non-dominant hand goes up higher than your dominant hand. Yeah. Oh, see? Now, what does that tell me? That's right, yeah. What does that say? That oh, maybe yeah. you're using your dominant side for lifting weights, playing tennis, doing right. activities. So now, back to what Alex said late, earlier, we found a deficit. So what do we need to work on? Shoulder flexibility. Right. So if, if I came to Alex's class, he'd say, Carl, your strength is okay, but your flexibility is miserable. A good trainer would say, Carl, we don't need to do as much time on aerobics and, and so forth. You need flexibility training. And so my hamstrings need to be worked on, my uh, shoulders. So th if that kind of helps that person, that those are real easy assessments. And in Dr. Jones's book, she has um, baselines like, okay, what's the average 60-year-old do? What's the 65-year-old? So it'll give you some parameters which to measure your client to. But I'm a big fan of not trying to have to reach those goals, but pre and post test. Where right. am I today? Mm -hmm. Where am I three months from now? Yeah. So Sam, do you think that answers that question? 
Absolutely. And I wanted to touch on another one. And I think this is a good slide to touch on this one. And I've often wondered this myself um, when I've trained some senior clients in the past. Um, a lot of times, and uh, Leah asked this in the chat, she said, how do we build the relationship um, you know, with their physicians? Do we email mm. them? Do we, you know, is it, do you work with them and they kind of word of mouth it, it, all of this information to you? How do you personally think the best way to go about that is? That's a tricky one. And it depends on your clientele and, and right. where you live. If mm -hmm. you live in a small rural community, you might even know the, the doc. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But if you live in a big area, like Alex is up in Portland, I'm in the Bay Area, it's kind of becomes word of mouth. You know, if, if they go back and say, gosh, I was taking Alex's class and boy, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Look at my blood pressure is down now. Um, I've lost five pounds. And the doc goes, well, what are you doing? And I go, I've been going to Alex's class and I'm having a great time. And I think that word of mouth, that referral base, it's like that old Fabergé commercial. If you're young enough, old enough to remember, you, go, you tell a friend, they tell a friend. And that's mm -hmm. the important thing. If I'm, if I have a good experience in Sam's class, I'll tell one person. Mm -hmm. If I have a bad yeah. experience, I'm telling the world. I'm <laughs> I'm telling it's on the oh that that Sam she's she's a highfalutin lady she thinks everybody's got it so you got it's it's what you do in that class and how do they leave and a, a good resource to look up uh, Ken Allen who used to, you and I used to go around and do some things for Secure Horizons back in the day I learned more from him about people skills we'll talk about that about challenges in a minute. I would go there and do the boring academic stuff okay you know the exercises changes in aging so. He had the personality of a, he should, he'd be a guru. And I learned from him as he went to the door as class started. He wasn't busy worrying about the microphones and setting up and getting the equipment. He went to the door and every client that came in, he acknowledged them and recognized them. Yeah. I think that's why my little class started with five people moved to 50 because they left feeling valuable. Um, I had one lady, she brought her daughter to my class one time. And I think she meant this as a compliment, but she goes, you're the biggest BSer I've ever met <laughs> because I would, I would, I would schmooze with the people. I try to be there, uh, not necessarily, but I talked to them. Hey, how you doing? I got to know things and I try to make them leave the class feeling better than they came in. Yeah. And that's when we talk about the sandwich approach. If you've been a teacher, you kind of understand this. If you're, uh, you do the, you, Hey, Sam, thanks for coming to class today. You're looking great. I, We'll talk about that later because you know, I don't know if I can say that to a woman anymore. You're looking good. That's <laughs> sexist. But we'll talk about that as a challenge too. But I'm um, thank you for coming to class. Then, guys, Sam, you know, I noticed that you kind of are having a hard time walking. Let's do some exercise that'll improve your balance today. Oh, but it kind of hurts, but I think this will help. And then finish up with a so the sandwich. You give them a positive, put a little corrective feedback in the middle, and then finish with the sandwich. Right. And then they're going to keep coming. Going, oh, yeah. Because we all love positive reinforcement. So when we get to the challenges that down here, if I could move segue into that, if we think we're done with the questions, then my yeah. answer. I was just going to add one more thing, Carl, and you can correct me in just in regard to building that relationship or like building the network out of these other professionals that are likely in your older clients' lives um, is also just you like not being afraid to utilize them or get in touch with them if something in their in their area you're not 100% certain on. So if, you know, you get an older client who says this is what my doctor wrote me of how I have to exercise and something's not immediately clear or even if it is, it seems like a quick contact this person, "Hey, I'm this person's new new coach. 
wanted to just introduce myself. Um, saw you wrote this, here's what I'm planning on doing. Just want to let you know, just to open the door for that relationship, number one, and number two, to show these other professionals that you're on their side. You're truly, you truly care for these people. You want to work with them. It's not, don't listen to your doctor. Don't listen to your PT. It's we are, we, we all serve a unique purpose and having that mentality going into these clients, I think is very helpful. Um, because then it becomes easier, I think, to just reach out and start that relationship. Um, would you agree with that, Carl? Absolutely. Two, you brought a couple of good points. I was on a panel at an idea conference many years ago, and it was very interesting that the panel they put together was me as a PE teacher, an OT, physical therapist. And so it was interesting how we, it was to educate people how we could all work together and not to compete. Because right. the number one goal is not to prove that you're better than the other person or discipline that you work as a team, a continuum of care. Right. And then the other thing, and I don't know if this new younger generation will do this, but if you have the opportunity to speak at a health fair, do it. Yeah. Because that's where you're going to get the exposure to the, you know, for example, if it's a health fair, you know, a lot of people, uh, no offense to the younger generation, I'm not going to do it unless I get paid. Hmm. But I spoke at more health fairs, at hospital functions than you could ever imagine. But there you're sitting there and the doctors are sitting in the audience. They're coming there. They're getting to know you. They know you're talking with truth and credibility. Um, you're not far out. Um, the, the, their, 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 their patients are coming. And that's where you got to also start to learn the language. And that's, mm. they're not your patients. They're your students or your clients. Um, but your goal is your real challenge is to be to motivate and support the client. Your goal is to take them from an external locus of control to an internal locus of control. Now, listen to the words carefully. I don't want to be misrepresented. Don't let anybody should on you. S-H-O-U-L-D. No, nobody wants to be should on. You, oh, you should stop smoking. You should stop eating your bacon and lettuce tomato sandwich. That's going to turn with, they, that locus of control, the should might get them to your class, but unless you can self-motivate them, they're not going to come. They've got to be internally locused. Why do all of you that are listening today, why do you exercise? It's not because someone's telling you to, because you get enjoyment. You get pleasure from exercising. Um, and then as we talked about earlier, make the program functional that you can show the results of what's going on. Um, and then they'll continue with you forever. I mean, I had students that... Uh, you know, as, as I said, started and stayed with me 40 years. And my little, when I retired from the college, the college didn't do anything for me. But we had, my students put together a retirement party for me of students that were academic students who got on to be physical therapists, PhD, as well as my older. There was like hundreds of people out there that they were the people that appreciate. Who cares what the college didn't care? He's just get rid of him. So just be mindful. And again, keep in mind, people tend to repeat those activities that they enjoy. And I think what, one of the things I've tried to share with my undergraduate students is be an edutainer. You know, that you can go and hear the smartest person in the world, but in about five minutes, they go on and they're rambling and you bored them. So if you want to keep them engaged, how can you edutain them? And keep in mind as a challenge, one size does not fit all. And then finally, in that crowd of challenges, the, the personal trainer of older adults is I think you're going to be part therapist, part science, part it's blending the art and science of fitness and also be able to learn 
the difference between an excuse and a barrier. If you've mm. ever gone to want to buy a car, uh, you've heard that then every salesperson knows the difference between an ob objective that's either an excuse or a barrier. And so what can you do? And if I can just share one quick story about that, if I could, do I have time, Alex? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I had a lady, she was morbidly obese, 100 pounds overweight. Her doctor should on her said, you should start exercising. So he sent her to my water exercise class. Was that the best decision? Probably not. But I mean, from his point of view, it's, it's low impact. Water is a great place to exercise. But now you're 100 pounds overweight. Do you really want to be in a locker room taking your clothes off? Do you really want to put on a bathing suit? So she came to me and goes, my doctor said I, sh I should start exercising. And I could tell from her face that she didn't want to be there. I mean, why did, would she want to put a bathing suit? So I made a deal with her. Lifeguard wasn't happy with my decision. I said, you come to the pool in anything you want to wear. If you want to wear sweats, if you want to wear shorts and a T-shirt, I'm okay with that. So she said, okay. And I go, here's the deal. She goes, I hate exercise. Otherwise, I wouldn't weigh 100 pounds overweight. I hate exercise. I go, I don't blame you. Who wants to get in this cold pool in January? And, it's, and, and, and in California, it's still cold. I go, why would you want to do that? I go, I'll make you a deal. The hardest part, they, they did a study that also looked at Lockheed engineers. And if you make the class exclusive, they found that these guys, if they had to go out of their way to go to the, the gym, they wouldn't go. So I said, I'll make you a deal. You just come to my class for five minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes, then you leave. She goes, okay, I can do that. So she came to class, five minutes, she started smiling. She started talking, interacting with some of the other ladies, having a good time. I go, gotta go, time to go. She goes, but I drove all the way over here. I'm soaking wet. I'm, I, I, let me stay. Sorry, we made a deal. You're gone. So I, I kicked her out after five or 10 minutes. She wasn't happy with me, but I said, bye, come back on Wednesday. We'll have another class. She came back. So for about two or three weeks, we went out five, 10 minutes. I said, goodbye, get out of here. This lady ended up after a year and a half, lost a hundred pounds and stayed with me in exercise for the rest of her life. Because we started at five minute chunks that she could do, left feeling good. And then she'd sweep, go to another five minutes till she could stay the whole hour of the class. Yeah. The other part of the example was, this wife said, Ralph should exercise. She brought him to class. He started finding and feeling better, could do things around the house. And I go, well, where's Ralph? He, I don't see him signed up this term. Well, you know, he's feeling pretty good. Um, I'm going to have him get, he's going to go down and get the tires fixed. And he's going to do some chores around the house. She sabotaged his program. Where she should have encouraged, she should have made him come into class the number one priority rather than new tires. So you can see how if your support team, and I've always laughed that you look at the 49ers or any good football team, how many coaches do they have? They have a strength and conditioning coach. They have a cheerleaders. They have everybody. Unless you can build that team around you to be supportive of you, you're going to fail. So that's where you want to try to find what's their social support network. So motivate them based on what their hot button is. Their hot button might be, I want to be a better golfer. So you make sure you, in that program, build some element, as we talk about in a moment, about elements of building what they're, if they want to be exercised for the fitness, for the health of it, or for sports conditioning. So we'll talk about elements, I'm sure, in a minute. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Um, yeah, really helpful. Yes, I was just going to get to programming. Uh, next, I don't have any additional thoughts on that, Sam, do you? No, I am just learning so much right now. I'm jotting down so many notes. So thank you. <laughs> I'm an eager student right now as well. Awesome. This is, this yeah. I was so aiming to talk have... as little as possible. 
Yeah. And I mean, Carl, now I'm honestly, I'm just learning from you. So I kind of jotted down (laughs) what I think would be, you know, the best, the best of the best for senior clients when it comes to programming. But um, overall, you know, it's, it's a general form of having your corrective exercises, your warm up, your workout, and then um, some cardio. But as I've already learned from you, Carl, you know, the range that these, these senior clients could have, I mean, some, as you said, might not be able to even stand up from a chair, whereas some may be able to walk on a treadmill for 30 minutes. Right. So there is such a wide range. So in general, um, Carl, I would love if you kind of tell us what your, um, thoughts are on each of these categories that we have written down, what you think is the best for, um, in general, senior clients. I think it's a hard thing to generalize them because as you've touched on so much, they all are so different. So you have to be really thorough when you learn about these clients. So I'm sure all your programs are so different. Um, but if you just wanted to touch on, yeah, each category and kind of what you think is best for each of them. Sure. Um, we'd love I'd, be, to I'd be glad to. So awesome. I'm thinking the, the elements of a program, you're looking at the elements under a workout or whether what have you. I think, again, you're leading back to your assessment, but I think every program should have some flexibility. Mm. So um, one of the little cutisms that I used to say is stretch what is tight and strengthen what is lax. Awesome. So, awesome. so in that flexibility, you know, as we just did with our little own assessment, my problem is I have poor flexibility. So my focus should be on improving my functional flexibility. Can I reach the top shelf at the grocery store? Can I squat down if I want to get a can of soup off the bottom? So, and so flexibility, stretch what is tight and then looking at muscular strength and endurance. The other little cutism is strengthen what is lax. So if I'm weak and I can't get up and down, from the gym, then you need to focus on muscular strength. Now, on that continuum of care, and when I did my master's thesis, and we looked at strength training, you know, and you, those of you listening, there's that continuum of strength to muscular endurance. And so where what's most important on that continuum of, of strength training or muscular training? Um, so Dr. Bortz said it pretty much better than I could. Legs are your second heart. That if your legs are good, and you can almost look at if, if a guy has hairy legs, you probably have a pretty good understanding that he's got good peripheral circulation. Yes. So yeah. Thank so you, Carl. If you look at that, then it's kind of silly, but you wouldn't think of that. But yeah. Um, so the legs are important. They give you a great indication of the person's functional health and physical health. So leg strength is important. That's going to lead to independence. If you look at activities of daily living, many of them generate around being able to ambulate. Uh, cardiovascular fitness is important. Um, so you look at that. And so maybe I can't walk, but maybe I can ride in a recumbent bike. Um, then be careful on a, tr- on a treadmill because some people may have poor balance issues, but they're not paying attention. You know, now they're getting dementia. So you're on that treadmill and they're gawking around and all of a sudden they're on the floor. So right. a treadmill may or may not be the best thing. Um, I'm a f- big fan of recumbent bikes, big fan mm-hmm. of recumbent bikes. Um, then balance, looking at whether dynamic, so much of what we do, maybe we can do another one of these down the road on fall prevention for people who are interested with older adults and they can bring mom and dad into this. But balance is so critical. I have a neighbor who's a young guy who's got this chronic condition. Um, his wife thinks he should be out riding a bike. He should not be riding a bike. He should be riding either a, a, a tricycle or something like that because getting on and off the bike is a tragedy for him. So balance is, you know, there's 
And the interesting thing, when you look at balance, if you see an older person walking really fast, you say, well, aren't they cool? They're walking because if you've ever tried to ride a bike slow versus ride a bike fast, it's much easier to ride a bike fast than slow. So um, balance is important. Posture is so critical because, you know, you get that kyphotic curve. Uh, we're over a computer, we're over our phone, we're a golfer or a tennis, you know, our, our shoulder girdle gets tight. Um, we need to open that chest. Again, stretch what is tight and strengthen what is lax. So rather than just doing bench press, and every guy listening has done this, we've been doing bench presses since we've been 16 years old. We do bench presses, we do flies, and what do we do for our upper back? Not a whole lot. And you see the you see the big bodybuilder walking down Venice Beach. He's really a stud from the front. You see him from the back, he's all hunched over. So that's just an indication of stretch what is tight, strengthen what is tight. And again, I think as a bodybuilder, when Arnold was in his prime, if I recall remember better, there's a guy named Frank Zane. He wasn't very big. He wasn't humongous like Arnold was, but he really worked on symmetry. And he'd often win very in contests. He wasn't the biggest guy out there with Lou Ferrigno or Arnold Schwarzenegger, but his symmetry was beautiful. And if you look at old um, artwork of in the Roman Empire, so, you know, those guys were were built, but they had symmetry of training. So that's what you want to look at, a symmetry of training when you're working about. And then coordination, if you have time, build in both gross and fine motor coordination. Well, one of the, we talked about assessments earlier. One of the simple things I did with coordination, and we can all do this right now, because all the tests I do were, that must be my warranty must be expiring, <laughs> uh, is put your left leg out straight, then put, bring your right knee to your right heel to your right knee, then to your ankle, then to the floor. And see how many, and you have someone see how many times they can do that. It's a mm. good little coordination test. A neurologist often use it, or you take your arms out to the side, close your eyes, touch your finger to your nose so many times. And that was another test we did is we'd put a spot on, we'd have the person go up to the wall, put their nose against the wall and then back off an arm's distance and see how many times they get, and try it. It's not as easy as it looks. Try to hit that spot as many times in 30 seconds and hit the spot exactly, not a little bit to the left or right. That's a good test to look at coordination. So um, so look at coordination, um, address what Alex was saying earlier, address what deficits you found in the assessment. Again, what Alex mentioned earlier, you know, if you can get a relationship with the PT or write them a note, can you just tell me what you want me to do with Mary Lou? And he'll say, I want you to focus on her balance, her posture. Um, and I think we shared, you know, just keep in mind that training an old person, you need to keep adapting as you go along. It's you're not one program is not going to fit all your clients. So and and then just fortunately, um, just know that time marches on. We're all a little bit different. I mean, even you young people out there, you know, you had a gray hair today that you didn't have yesterday. You're a little stiffer than you were yesterday. Um, your job as a personal trainer of older adults is to try to reduce what time's going to do to them. And we all know that with, with age, without the intervention of exercise, and that's another thing. Be careful if you use the word, a couple words to be careful of. Seniors, some people don't want to be called a senior. Some, you know, when I worked in Palo Alto, I used to teach at the senior center. Well, in Palo Alto is the hub of political correctness. That's where Facebook is and all that. They changed the name of the center to Avenidas. Because that for whatever reason, because some older adults felt that senior was an offensive term. 
So what you call your classes is going to have a bearing of what how you what clients you get. Um, so just be mindful of that, of what, of what you call your class and, and how you call your clients. You know, some people may want to be called Mr. and Mrs. Some Monoway doctor. Some may be happy with their first name. So all those elements are going to go into that, putting this whole program together. And then your challenge is to help that client grow strong, not old. You're going to try to keep them to be as, as capable as they ever were. Um, and build, and like Alex was saying earlier, you got to keep boredom from because any of us who have ever, ever exercised, exercise is kind of boring, you know. And, and so, and the other thing that I would just share with you, if you're going to put old Joe Joe on the on the treadmill and put him in front of the TV, I'm not sure that's a great idea. I want them when they're exercising to be within their body, be mindful of what's going on. How is your body mechanic? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm watching TV, the music's going on. I'm doing arm curls. Am I paying attention to my body? That mind-body experience is very important to when you're exercising. And and the other part to build into your program, you know, one-on-one is real fun. You can, but sometimes a small group, I found a small group when I did personal training was better because I didn't have to be on all the time. But we're now finding with older people that that social interaction is critical. If you can build some social interaction within, the, within that and develop that camaraderie, I mean, after I retired, these people are still getting together to go out and do stuff together. Yeah. So that's kind of important to do. When it comes to the verbiage, Carl, do you have any recommendations or when people might be thinking about what to name a class, um, where my mind goes, and again, would love to hear your thoughts as well, is focusing more on the positive aspects of of aging, like, you know, I don't, I've never worked this population, but like... Uh, Gain strength as you age. I despise that title, but like something that's more value focused in the future, as opposed to like you're old, so this is a class for you. Um, how do you kind of think about uh, the verbiage and communicating with those clients from that front? What kind of language have you found to be good and valuable? No, I think you're right. I'm kind of looking at some of the chats. Yeah, I think the you, first of all, you got to know your community. What I say in Palo Alto, California, is going to be much different than I might say in Dubuque, Iowa. Sure, sure. It may not be as. Um, but I like your idea. Of like, uh, like when I did a, a fall, and I didn't like see this would be wrong too. I don't call it a fall prevention class. I call it a better balance class. Right, right. Focus right. on the positive part of it. Um, grow strong. Uh, strength, strength training for you know. And some people, I don't mind being called a senior. To me, a senior is a a senior VP of a company is impressive. A senior in high school is much better than being a freshman. So, <laughs> right. So it's 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 how how sensitive you are. But again, be mindful that you know your clients. If you're not getting many students, maybe just a simple name change, how you talk to people, yeah. um, the music you play, and all those all those elements go into making a successful class. Yeah. So it goes back to that. knowing knowing your clients, knowing your audience. Again, it seems like that's a very very key principle to yeah. a lot of this. And kind of just as before we close, um, your job too as a trainer of older adults is to do no harm. Do no harm. I mean, that's kind of the, the motto of a physician is do no harm. So where, how can I get the most benefits for this client with the least amount of risk? And the same thing is if you were going to do a financial strategy, you look at the benefits of that investment versus the risk. If I'm going to take a medicine, what is the benefit of this medication versus the risk of this medication? So do no harm. The other element that I learned from Dr. Haskell at Stanford, he was very big on match the dose to the response. 
So you look at that dose and the same with your medication. Okay, do I take 500 milligrams of this medication or do I take two milligrams? So what is the proper dose to get the right response? Um, and this sounds pretty old school, but you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Mm-hmm. You're going to get someone maybe to bring them to your class a few times, but unless you empower that client, they're not coming back. So you got to empower that client and you're going to work with the client, not on the client. It's kind of like the difference. I think with what I taught adaptive PE and I tried to teach the students, if you're going to be a person, you work with the client, not on physical therapists work yeah. on the client that you work with the client. Yeah. Um, the other little goofy idea I used to teach is sometimes you're the engine. Sometimes you're the caboose as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to have to really pull that person along. You're going to have to do everything to schmooze with them, to get them to come to your class. But sometimes like for my, myself, I was, you know, the doctor told me to back off. I've got a friend who's become a pickleball fanatic. He's, playing pickleball all he's got shoulder problems elbow problems he's hurting all the time the doctor said you need he won't rest so sometimes you've got to be the caboose and say hey you've got to back off a little bit and say hey you know rather than working playing pickleball let's try going for a walk for health class and so those are things that you've got to do that you don't think about you don't really learn in a classroom on being a personal trainer but those are the elements that you've kind of got to be part psychologist part trainer and so forth and this it, just know too that aging is in, inevitable, and your job is as a to your client is to help them grow well, not frail. Because um, yeah. with, without the intervention of physical activity, and we now know that physical activity is more important than exercise. Physical activity is the umbrella, and exercise falls under. Mm. So, yeah. So, and and then one program doesn't feel. I mean, when I was at the VA, and I I thought I was the end all be all when I was a young. <laughs> Just got my master's degree. I thought it was really hot stuff. I'd of course. Spend, I'd spend hours writing these programs for these guys and their guys because they were in the, in the brain clinic, in the brain rehab clinic. I'd write them these fabulous programs. You know where they most of them ended up? Probably in the trash. Yeah. Yep. They probably did. And I spent hours in gym. So, and, I, and then I thought, well, I'll just write one program for all of them. Well, no, one program doesn't fit all because everybody's just yeah. uniquely different. So, um, and as we've often said, someone's going to come to you and say, how long do I have to come to you as a trainer? I don't think you want them to come to you forever. I that I get upset when I see trainers keep milking these clients for years and years. Your goal is to have them graduate, but you let them know that I'm going to empower you. I'll maybe write you an exercise program. Once you get to a proficiency level, you come see me once a month, we'll update it and so forth. But fitness is a journey, not a destination. Mm-hmm. None of us are ever going to be where we should be. And then yeah. Sam was asking earlier about some books that I'd recommend. Um, we uh, Matt looked up that one by Dr. Jones. Um, also, I could make available that when I taught, I um, have some teaching manuals that I use for my undergraduate students. I have some on senior fitness, uh, fitness therapy, exercise for the cancer thriver, a functional fitness one, and a water book. So maybe someday we could make a little mini course out of those of those manuals because they're up and ready. Um, my other books that you, you, the listeners may want to think about is I've written a lot of books, 15 or so books through Ulysses Press that are designed for the older adult themselves. And what, not that I'm a good author, but that's a great publisher. They took great photographs and great little descriptions. So if, you, if you're if you new to this and you don't want to write up, to, what I've done is, and a, a couple of docs in, um, in the Bay Area have done this, they ordered my books, then they would 
give them the book and they dog ear the pages of the exercise they want them to do. So then rather than having to download an exercise program, he said, okay, Ralph, you're going to do page three, nine, and 12. Um, Sally, you're going to do 15, 11, and 14. So they look and they got a picture. So you don't have, I know we're all going online for, you know, download this workout, but it's still kind of a hassle to go to go look up exercises for your low back, have to be in front of the computer and look at Whereas sometimes you just look at a book, look at the pictures. It's kind of a lot easier than that. So yeah, those are books by Ulysses Press. And I've got topics that everywhere from beat up osteoporosis with exercise, stability on a balance beam, ab wheel workouts, resistance with bands. And again, as we said, I don't think he is a personal trainer who's going to maybe go to people's homes. I don't think you have to have a lot of the guy next door is a personal trainer. His car is full of equipment. I don't know if you need all that equipment. I think just a basic exercise bands, um, a yoga belt for stretching um, is probably all you need to be successful to see good results. Yeah. yeah. And then the last part of that, too, is, as I alluded to earlier, there was a great study done with Lockheed engineers and Stanford was doing it and looking at exercise compliance rates. And as they found that if the guy coming home from work, because these were Lockheed engineers back in the 60s and 70s, the first part of their job was they were to just drive from the job site to the gym and go home. They did that for like three weeks. Then they were told to go in the gym, take a shower and go home. Because it takes that long to build a habit. When I worked at the VA, I worked with the alcohol and drug rehabilitation wards. And the programs were very successful when there were 90 days. When they dropped it to 30 days, the recidivism rate came up. So you wanted to get them to build it into a habit of where they'll continue doing it. And once it's your habit, then you're more likely to do it. And they found, too, that if the gym or the facility is within about a mile or three-mile radius of their home, they're more likely to do it. Mm. I have to get on the freeway and be hit bumper to bumper traffic and yeah. not going to do it. So those are just things. That, so if you can go, if for those listening, if you can get access to a senior and we say, don't use senior center here, I use it, but um, you know, a, a, a senior center or a retirement community in your neighborhood and offer to teach classes there where the people only have to come walk down the door or come a mile yeah. from home, you're going to have great results. Yeah. It goes back to a lot of other webinars we've done with how can you reduce friction to, for your clients? to getting things done. And I think that's, that's, that's a great way. Well, feel free. My email is down there. Um, as, as Alex knows, I'm not very technologically savvy, but if you want to drop me an email, I'd be glad to share anything I know or I'll make it up. You respond to emails very well. That is, that is no doubt. <laughs> all right. Great. Thank I definitely you wouldn't all. say you're not, I definitely wouldn't say you're not tech savvy. I, I mean, I would say you're, you're right middle of the road, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a long, windy say, road, Alex. It's efficient. <laughs> um, this was really awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carl. Great feedback, Carl. A lot of people are saying they would be so interested in a Carl slash FM course. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of different types of webinar feedback we're getting right now. Someone said they would love a webinar on fall prevention. So this is all really great. And I think this is opening a bunch of doors for us. So we really appreciate you joining us today, Carl. Yeah, Alex or Sam, reach out to me and we can talk about the mechanics of it because these, these manuals are already prepared. Of they may course. need a little bit of technique switch, but yeah, sure. Make them online, so whatever you want to do. Yeah. Sure. No, that's well, thanks awesome. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you. Joining uh, us. This it is was awesome. awesome. And guys, just to reiterate, our doors are open. If you want to, yeah. if you're like, what was that one resource he mentioned? What was this? What was that? Let us know. You know, we, if, if you have any follow-up questions at all, 
never hesitate to reach out to us, ask in our Discord, send us an email, give us a call, literally anywhere that you can get in touch with us, send us a DM on Instagram. You know, um, we're happy to help, happy to clarify. This was funny. This was awesome. I learned so much. I have a whole page of notes, Carl. This is great. I was, yeah, we were. I needed it just as much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right, team. Well, um, let's call it. Um, any other questions, let us know. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, you know, obviously as things develop with new materials that, that we build with Carl, we will absolutely yeah. keep you in the loop with that. So, um, yeah, guys, any other awesome. last thoughts, Sam, Sam or Carl? Take care. Thanks again. I'm here if you need me. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Thank Likewise. you all again. Thank Bye-bye. You. Keep in touch. It's a wonderful Bye-bye. weekend, everybody. Yes. Have a good weekend, guys. As always, thanks for listening to the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast. You can learn more about fitness mentors at fitnessmentors.com. Be sure to share this podcast on social media. And remember, we are here to help you succeed.